thanks so much, Garrick, for joining me today. Uh, if anybody wants to hear our initial conversation, that would be in episode 65. I'll link it down down below in, in the show notes. A lot has happened since then with EcoStylist. Uh, but first, give give a little bit an overview of what sort of EcoStylist was in the beginning, and then we'll get into what it is now and, and the growing features that, that the platform has going on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, thanks for having me back. It's a pleasure to be here. So yeah, so EcoStylist is a resource for stylish and ethical clothing. Basically what that means is we have directory of thoroughly researched brands. There's uh, more than 60 and to be, we're going to be adding quite a few by the end of the year. Then we also have fashion guides. So in our blog, we have all kinds of uh, articles that are really popular that help people learn about sustainable fashion or like, you know, shop for like fall or Christmas gifts, stuff like that. Then we also have personal styling. Basically, I like to think of EcoStylist as like, like a zero to hero kind of service. I guess I want to use that word. <laughs> but but basically, like the, the idea being like, you know, if you want to come just use the free tools and make finding, you know, good brands easier for you, you can. Or if you want to come and you want to be like, hey, just please do this for me because I don't want to do it. You know, that's where personal styling comes yep. in. And you can pay us to do like personal shopping for you or, you know, or like a total a total makeover where we like go through your closet with you and, um, and also... Wow do personal shopping for you and like make uh, style guides and stuff. So yeah, it can be, it's a pretty uh, thorough service. Well, you started originally with just men's clothing, right? Cause it was, it, it, the ecosystem was not catering to, to us gentlemen very much before, before you came along. Um, so what was, what was it like to, to add women's apparel and sort of that, that big ecosystem, obviously, you know, women kind of dominate the market here, but like, why, why deviate straight just from being sort of a men's platform? Yeah. So we, we were focused on menswear exclusively for I think it was like two plus years before we added women's clothes and it's not we didn't like lose the you know the focus like it's basically we we started with menswear because there was yeah like you were saying there's like the there was like a hole in the space it felt like like it felt like yeah. if you were like if you were a guy and you you, know, you wanted like to shop sustainably it was like really annoying like really hard like you like you couldn't find <laughs> brands you know and like nobody was writing like articles for you or like giving like brand roundups and stuff so it was just like a lot of work and um so we focused there you know and then you know and then like other people started to do it too and so it was like we were like okay well we feel like we've built a strong resource mm -hmm. for people and we're not the only ones doing it anymore and so it and then but at the same time a lot of our users were women like even when right even when it was just men's clothes it was a lot like a lot of times you know women are helping men men shop yep. or they're shopping for a man they know and so so we were like this kind of just makes sense to to add you know to, to basically just make it a resource for everybody um while still obviously having that strength of like of being a really strong resource for men. You mentioned the the personal grooming side, uh, an assistant, if you will, side of, of the platform that you've you sort of rolled out. It's a really, really interesting idea. Did that come before or after COVID? Did COVID have any type of impact in building out that feature? Because it, it seems to be really well placed sort of for like this new era of sort of remote, you know, shopping for for fashion, which kind of hasn't, it's it, it sort of always kind of been there, but not at, at scale like it is now. Did that play a role at all in the kind of doing the, the personal styling? It was a good time, I would say, for it because kind of a fun fact, we've actually been doing virtual personal styling like almost for the entirety of Eco Stylist. And for like in the beginning when I started this, uh, people would ask me to do it in person sometimes. Right. And then 
And then I was like, well, this isn't really practical because like not everybody's <laughs> going to be like in, in Iowa City where I was in the beginning, right. you know? So I added video, but I just kept it really quiet because like we wanted to stay focused. And, and I, you know, I was like, if, if we make too much noise about this, like it's going to distract us from the other things we do. But we still did it on the side. Around COVID, we realized like, hey, you know, all, like all of a sudden they're more accepting of using video. Like, so that was mm -hmm. the major difference before COVID people were like, I don't know if I want to use like video calls for personal styling. That sounds weird. And then I think we all became like way more accustomed to zoom. So yeah, yeah. so it became easier to, it became more accepted. And then, um, and we started promoting it more and, and building out that service. And, and I hired a stylist so that it wasn't me doing it. So yeah, so basically <laughs> we built it in just because that's not, you know, like that's impossible. You can't divide yourself that thin, you know? So, yeah. yeah. And, and she's, you know, all she does is styling and she's really good at it. So it just, yeah. So basically we've just built it into a, a better service. Walk me through the service in, in general, right? So like if I do something like this, do you literally just walk through my closet with me or do you, do you walk through like what I like to wear, what colors I like, things like that. Like talk me through the process. Yeah, it's a really personalized service. So that's like, that's the really important thing to us. And it's always been is we never wanted to prescribe you know, style or options for somebody. Basically, it's like with every service, so there's three services and it's, they it basically just kind of gets like built on each one. So I'll just say like, so we'll just talk about like the highest level service because it has all the components to it. Yep. So it always starts with a call where the stylist learns about you and what you're looking for. And, you know, and it doesn't matter if you know what you're, because some people, people don't always know what they're looking for and that's okay, right? But sure. the point is whether you know exactly what it is or you have like a really vague idea, you know, she'll just like ask you those questions and, and figure it out. And then from that call, depending on the service, the next steps would happen. So if it's if it's just the personal shopping service, which is a pretty express service, she would basically mm. build you a, like a shopping guide. You get like your own personal, you know, website that has the shopping guide and it's like really hmm. beautiful and like easy to look at. And, and then the, the, the other, the, the higher levels of service that come after that, basically they come with like, like an outfit guide that includes the clothes you have. If you need new clothes, it's like, that's there in the shopping guide, but it's also like, here's how to wear what you have and how to wear the new with the old. And then the highest level one include a service includes a, a closet clean out where the stylist, <laughs> um, they're usually like 90 minutes. These things usually take a while, but it's usually like a 90 minute video call where they go through your closet with you. And cause, and that's always really impactful. Like honestly, this, that service like it really that's is, super uh, cool yeah that's interesting yeah a lot of people would describe it as like a life-changing service because you know it's like you you know a lot of times we just have stuff in there that we we don't like but we refuse to get rid of it or <laughs> we don't know how to wear it or it doesn't fit us and the stylist can help you work through all of that like like you know like like try it out like maybe realize like oh wait you know what this actually looks great i mean i just didn't know it or like it doesn't fit i need to get it tailored or like oh i actually do hate it time to like time to do something with it instead of keep it in my closet, right? So basically we like walk you through like those decisions. And then obviously like the, through the shopping guide, it would be certified brands that EcoStylist has has recommended and has curated, correct? Yeah, and I should, that is something really unique about our yeah. our personal styling is like, I think we're the only personal styling service that has um, a certified source of branding that I'm aware of. Like I think there's some other people doing it like with a focus on sustainability, but I believe we're the only service where it's like we've, you know, we have a research pool of brands that we're pulling from and that's it. So I guess it just adds that extra level of integrity when it comes to the brands, when it comes to like what brands mm -hmm. we're, we're working with. I want to talk a little bit about the industry and, and we've kind of been in it for a while and, and you're sort of day to day in the weeds, kind of talking and, and seeing what, what's going on. What has been sort of the last couple of years? I mean, especially like with COVID, have you seen a lot of brands coming out like new brands? Have you seen maybe some brands not make it? What's sort of the the sector right now as, as we kind of transition from a, a really terrible time 
to hopefully a, a less terrible time. What does it look like for the sustainable fashion market right now? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a great time for the market. I know because I know a lot of founders from like really small to like, mm-hmm. you know, like to like just starting have like a few sales to, you know, to like much bigger brands. And and I think it's really the ones who struggled were the ones on that first end. Like the only ones like the ones I know that really struggled were the ones that, that didn't have much traction before COVID when you're when that's where you're starting, right? With like, and you really need sales. And then and COVID wasn't a great time for sales, especially in the beginning. I know they had a really tough time, but I, none of the brands that we you know that I've worked with or known personally didn't make it. And I think, yeah, so I mean, and the space has been growing. Like one way that we've always kind of measured like that the space is growing too is just the number of competitors that we have has continued to grow Mm-hmm. ever since we started and it's a good sign like it's like a sign of like a healthy space and a space that's you know that's growing the sustainable fashion market is in a good place you know one thing that maybe concerns me is like while this is really good news at the same time you know fast fashion actually has also been growing so mm-hmm. it's sort of like mm-hmm. so we have kind of both things growing at the same time and I think it's, just, <laughs> it's just sort of something to be aware of that like it's not fast fashion is not on decline yet and um just something to kind of remember, I think. I think, look, the glaring part of all this is, is sort of cost, right? And fast fashion is cheap, right? And that's why it's a lot of people go towards it. <laughs> and it's really sort of education, I think, that I want to do at Cause Artists, you want to do Eco Salas, other platforms try to do is is around education, right? And maybe why it's important to spend a little bit of extra money to get something more, you know, durable, longer lasting, uh, you know, made from better materials and made by people who have, you know, rights uh, and working working conditions that are valid that that we ourselves w- would want. Do you think that cost is the only thing sort of preventing people from making the transition? There, I mean, there may be other factors, but I would definitely say it's the biggest and most important one. You mm-hmm. know, I think it's the one that I think, you know, if we were able to overcome in whatever way that that, that would be the, the sort of the tipping point. And it's a really, you're right, it's a really complicated conversation because cost is, um, and it's one that I've had, you know, in so many discussion circles. And it's like, it's really hard to get away from because we... And I think the thing that people need to know is that the brands that have cost as their strategy are aware of this. Like they know that cost is like emotional for us for this was like a, like a, probably like a decade, decades long plan in terms of like, like they knew that if they, you know, if they made cost a really important value to shoppers, that it would be really hard to move shoppers then away from that because shoppers, because you get this like emotional attachment to it where you're like, no, this is, this is affordable for me. This is what I can afford. And your, your, your emotions and your feelings really have nothing to do with the brand. And they, they can keep you buying from a brand that's that's yeah that's like terrible for people on the planet because because you have your own thoughts about like cost and what's affordable for you and so it's just a really hard position to move from and I think you know that's I think that's why fast fashion is has been sticking is because that's just yeah it's a hard place like obviously people will have those conversations and people will say like you know what I want to spend more for quality but for every one person that does that you know there's plenty of other people who are still like you know I don't know you know because the cost is so low and yeah it's just hard to move away from that what do you see some of the style Realistically, though, have you seen different trends happening as far as does it follow the same same trends as fast fashion? Or do you see that the sustainable fashion industry sort of differentiates itself by by style, right? Is that something that could separate itself where the style is different? So like cost is 
cost is okay to spend more just because it also looks different as well as not just the materials. The probably overarching trend is that is that sustainable fashion brands tend to focus on more timeless styles. Mm-hmm. You know, what that means varies though, right? Like it doesn't, I don't want people to think it means it's only basics because that, that's true for some brands. Some brands will focus on basics. and um, But I think what timeless means to one brand to another is different. So in my mind, we have like, we're getting a wider and wider range of styles that is like better and better. And because that, that's always been my curiosity, like from the beginning, that was my initial like my initial itch, the initial itch that I was scratching was just that it was that like, I want to build a wardrobe only with sustainable brands. And like, can I do that and, and, and be right. able to have like the style I want? That was like literally the, that was like the question that I had. And, and I've only seen that get, so I think about that all the time and I've only seen it get better. So I really feel like we're in a really good place there. Um, It doesn't have like the, you know, the trends, the same trends that fast fashion does. Cause that would be, you know, impossible to replicate since it's happening every week virtually. Um, <laughs> but those also don't last, you know? So like, why, yeah. like, it's like, it's all, it's not really an investment, you know, if it's out of style next week. So, so with sustainable brands, they're focusing on things that like you can wear for years and 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 so the style's a little different and it's you know and some of the brands have really cool style and really some of them you know I'm seeing more brands with like some kind of uh, fashion fashion forward component to it and I think you know that's really cool to see too speaking of sort of like fast fashion and sort of you know really large brands and, and corporations out there they're getting into the space too right they're getting into sustainable fashion or however they want to call it right or, or whatever definition that that anybody wants to define it as big big companies are getting into it how do you kind of wrestle with that as a consumer right and and maybe let's let's go with you first and then we'll maybe go on to some of the founders you talk to, you know, that have these smaller brands, like how do they feel about these bigger companies trying to, to kind of do what they do? I, I, there's, yeah, obviously there's like a spectrum of debates, you know, in the space on this that a lot of people are like, will say like, like some good step in the right direction is worth noting, you know, even Mm -hmm. if it's not perfect. And while like generally I would, I would agree with that. When it comes to fast fashion, I, I tend to have a position where I, I don't really agree with that when it comes to fast fashion because it basically, so this is my, this is sort of my um, approach to it and my opinion about it is that when it comes to fast fashion, the thing is like, I think the whole thing is misleading. And that's why we mm-hmm. we talk about it a lot and we continue to talk about it and we will continue to talk about it because, and the reason it's misleading is because they're doing things that, okay, so they're doing things like they're promising like hundred percent, you know, sustainable fabrics by 2030, right? Things like this. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're making yeah, so they're making these long-term promises that are far away that are also like the brands we work with, most of them are doing this right now. Like right. as of like 2021, they have 100 percent sustainable fabrics. Not all of our brands, to be clear, but like, you know, what I mean, because like we rank our brands on so many different factors, but a lot of our brands are already there. And so they're promising these things like by 2030, you know, and they're promising like most of us that most actually not most, all fa- no fast fashion brand has addressed living wages. So that's mm-hmm. like that's a huge yeah. glaring issue that you know, obviously we so many of our brands focus on that. And so but within the day if by 2030 which first of all i don't know why anybody want to wait that long it's so far away but let's say <laughs> let's say by 2030 like you know h&m pays living wages and has 100% sustainable fabrics, right? The thing that the thing that I just want to point out is like they're still not going to be equal to the brands that we work with because of the business model, right? That's the still that's still like the glaring issue is that like even when they have those two things that like you know they were way behind on, they're still going to have that business model that's producing. You know, like mm. I think Zara. I was just mm-hmm. looking at the numbers. Like Zara makes like 400 million pieces a year or something, and they're planning to ramp that up. And then you have these new right. super. You have these new like superpower fast fashion brands like Sheen that are that are probably 
probably going to overtake Zara and like in, in volume and they're even worse. Like they have like no transparency and, and basically, but that's that model, right? It's that mass consumption. Yeah. Even if they do these small things, they have a mass consumption model that's going to be always there. And so I think we just have to reject that or we have to push back against it to be like, hey, this is crazy. And the, the argument that they're, I read their papers, like the CEOs always make this argument of they'll be like, they'll be like, haha, well, the population is growing. And it's like, well, no, like, you know, if like with them, um, what is it like, you know, like they say like three out of five fast fashion garments end up in the trash. That's within like a year. I think it's even more than that if yeah. you project further out. So when you look at that, it's like, if this stuff's ending up in the trash, it has nothing to do with the growing population, right? That's probably, I probably said enough about that. But. <laughs> do, do you feel, do you feel that, uh, that founders feel the same way as well? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think it seems, I think, I guess, so they're not worried, I guess, right? Like they would come take their market share because do they seem like their consumer is probably not their consumer? Their consumer is different than maybe a consumer that, that would kind of always do the Zara or the Sheen or something like that, right? Yeah, exactly. Like the founders that I work with and I talk to, like they... I think they 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 never expressed concern about fast fashion because I think they know they they know and they're confident in how their value proposition is different and how their product is better from like a ethics or sustainability perspective and and how the quality right so they never really express those kind of concerns or insecurities with me and I, I don't think they have them because they because they know that like they know what their value proposition is they know what they're putting forward and and they believe in it and and all of that so like you know they're really expecting players like 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 eco stylist to, to be calling out fast fashion but like I think most of them don't really bother to because they you know they have other things to do <laughs> and so yeah. like there's you know and whereas like we can have these conversations and they yeah they they are i think they're pretty confident in in what they're doing and, and it's working how would you look at sort of let's say like the banana republics right brands that necessarily aren't quote-unquote fast fashion they're not slow fashion they're not sort of sustainable but they're kind of in that in between and if they flip a switch in a certain way which again their business model doesn't say that they can so they probably won't is that a bit more of a worry maybe is that much more of a competitor to to the smaller brands that are doing sustainability right if one of these bigger brands that aren't really fast fast fashion that they take a turn it could be i mean that's that's a really interesting question i mean a lot of these brands just move so slow so i mean i really like i really feel like you know the sustainable brands have really positioned themselves well especially because if they've if they've got a strong foot you know in the market where people like know of the brand they like what they're doing and they know why it's you know why it's more sustainable and all that like it, it's going to be hard i think for one of these brands to to like be a to be a serious threat to them because yeah because they have a lot of work to do like and they move so mm -hmm. much slower i don't know from my perspective like a lot of brands are like way more behind than i thought they would be you know like i thought like, you know what i mean cuz like they they it's they saw, hard to flip the switch yeah it's hard because it, it affects is. the bottom line it's more of an investment it is but but i guess at the same time like i think this wave has been coming for a while and so i definitely think they should have been paying a little more attention because like if they're not ready when it really hits like they're going to be i think they're going to be the ones that are in trouble honestly so let's say like one of these brands that are well known right have a big footprint online physical retail like Banana Republic or something like that. How would you suggest consumers look at, you know, if they have a sustainability section on their website, right? Or in store, they have a sustainability section where you can shop, you know, quote unquote, sustainability from these stores, whether it's online or, or in physical retail. How would you recommend shoppers like educate themselves to know that this is, is what it, it says it is, right? That's always a difficulty. It's kind of like food when you go and there's all these different labels on food. And then if some food don't have these labels, like that's like a, 
a clear defined figure that you can look at as a consumer, but there's not quite that yet for fashion. So I guess, what would you recommend people look for to, to know that they're getting something that they think they're getting? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I mean, I, I really, I mean, I really recommend that people like support the brands that are going all in rather than, yeah, that, that's just kind of, I know that maybe yeah, that yeah. seems like an extreme position to some people, but, and obviously, you know, and obviously that's, you know, that's what we do. And that's, you know, and like, I work exclusively with these brands and stuff, but like, but I really believe that because these brands are the one they really could use support because they're, they're small brand. A lot of them are smaller, younger brands that are growing and they're, and they're doing it and they're doing everything right from the beginning, you know? So it's like, yeah, you can support brands now that you're checking all these boxes and doing like really, really, really great work. But if you were to like, yeah, but if you were to go to somewhere like, you know, that you could like go in person to like most sustainable brands don't have locations where people live, you know, like, like if you're like in LA or New York or something, you know, you're going to be lucky. And otherwise though, it's, so I would say like, honestly though, it's just that like, so many of these collections in, in in that I've looked at, like they're just not really doing that good at, at all. So like, yeah. I think if you're going to consider them, I think you really have to look for, because they're just not, they haven't been up to par and like, so I think you really have to look for the big things. Like, you know, like if they're, if they're putting out um, one of these collections, like you really should be looking for like, if it's fair trade certified, you know, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like the re- like they've got to go really big with like the certifications and the proof because it, it's just like, from my experience, looking at these brands and researching them, like across the board, if that's not what you're seeing, it's not good enough. So I would say like from the big brands, like you've got to, I would say you've got to find that kind of, you know, those kind of certifications. Like we, we work with smaller brands where it's like, you know, they're not fair trade certified, but they, they pay living wages and they, they publish that, you know, and, and we like, we, we check that in our research, but you're not, the thing is you're not going to find that from one of these bigger brands, you know? Yeah. So like, in yeah. yeah, so you really, you really, they really need hard evidence. Like they really need that certification. So maybe the better question would be, is that if it's not these big brand, right? If people are just searching for certain things or like a brand is advertising on Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat or Facebook, whatever it may be, that says they're sort of sustainable, right? But like Eco Stylist has a pretty, pretty rough criteria where nine out of the 10 brands fail your criteria, right? So let's say it's one of those nine, right? But their their marketing is really good. Like what can consumers look for? Is it is it just sort of those labels that are really that really sort of seals the deal? Yeah. Okay. So in that case, no, that's a great question. So it's really about that's really about transparency and and because what we find is like, yeah, so like nine out of 10 brands fill our criteria. But when we drill down to like, because obviously we're, we, we've really like refined our list so that we're not setting ourselves up for failure. Because <laughs> we also can't, like, we also don't have the time to research like 10 brands and have only one pass. So we've, we've really sure. funneled it down to where like, we're looking at what's like a pre-vetted list of brands that we believe are going to pass. And then, you know, and then like, it's like, um I think like 40% of those pass. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. And then like, 60% and fail. And it's, and it's, it's, we're, what we're still seeing a lot of is like the issues aren't, it's not with those brands. It's not that they don't have certifications. It's, it's usually like that they're not transparent enough or they're not putting, you know, enough information on their website. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that information mm-hmm. is critical. Like, so, cause what we'll see, like, for example is, and, and sometimes these brands are doing good, but then sometimes, and customers will sometimes push back on this. Well, they'll say like, well, what if they're really doing good and they're just not putting it on their website? And it's like, well, yes, like exactly. But we're arguing that it's important that they put it on their website. We'll see brands say like ethically made and then they don't elaborate. And it's just mm. that like, 
you can't the point is like you can't we're trying to help consumers filter through this noise and you can't tell if it is actually ethically made if they don't it, that's what i'm saying it's such a it's such a like broad not a broad statement but it's a very generic statement that yeah. you could just say it right <laughs> and like it's consumers might not know the wiser if like they trust a brand just because they say it right but it's that's that's the tough battle because i see a lot of that i do see a lot of that where it's they kind of just say it but then you kind of drill down a little bit more and I could see how, you know, maybe consumers would just take it at face, right? And probably purchase from them, you know, but I'm like, you know, I, I wouldn't personally do that, right? Going back to to brands as you were talking about, how can they do better on their sites? Now, obviously, some sites may not drill down because they don't want to, right? Because that maybe they're kind of, they are not maybe as as sustainable or ethical as they think they are or they could be. But how, how would you recommend if they are like to present that on the site better, right? Is there any recommendations you would give? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I, I will point out one thing, like with living, like living wages is one, I think it's a big issue. So we'll just like, just as we, a one isolated yeah. issue there. Yeah. I just want to put, if a brand isn't saying or giving evidence that they're doing that, they're almost definitely not. So I do want to say that, like, I think yeah. it's really, really and, and we like, and we've looked at a lot of brands. I would say it's the extremely rare case that they actually are paying living wages and they're just not talking about it because that's such a rare position yeah. in the fashion industry. So right. if a brand is doing it, they want to, they want to talk about it. And if they're not, if they're not talking about it, it's because they can't, like they can't prove it. Mm -hmm. And the only, mm -hmm. the only exception to that, that we've found is with brands that are made in the USA. And that's because that's, um, that's like yeah. a, that's a niche area where, where brands made in the USA will assume that you assume they're living wages. And then, you know, and we drill down a little further where we're like, we're like, well, we happen to know that like made in USA doesn't necessarily guarantee living wages. So like we, you know what I mean? And then, and so we've been able to push brands in those cases to be like, okay, you know, we pay 1.5 times minimum wage to our like lowest employee, mm -hmm. lowest paid employee. So like, yeah, that's, that's, you know what I mean? But that's, sorry, that's an exception. But anyway, the point is like with that issue in particular, like, I don't think you should ever assume a brand is doing it if they're not saying, because it's just such a, like, uh, it's such a radical position to, to be doing it. And, and it's an awesome thing to do. And brands tell you when they're doing it. So I guess living wages is, is one thing, right? Yeah. And it's, is it their about page that they need to ramp up more? Would you say oh, they yeah, should yeah. move things up to their homepage? Like get in depth with living wages versus, you know, the materials. And I guess the, the good brands kind of go in depth with all this stuff and you can kind of really see that they care and they've taken the time to like drill down into the, to the nerdiness of it, if you will. Um, but like why, and if brands do it, I like I imagine like they take the extra work out because they care and they do that. So that, like that's kind of one thing I look for personally you know, is, is on websites. Is that like, do they take the time to really drill down with this stuff? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So like I just having those extra pages, exactly. Like, I don't think it doesn't need to be, you know, on a brand's homepage or anything, but they should have, whether it's, you know, a transparency page or an about page, you know, within there, they should have like the different layers. And, and so I would recommend that brands have, you know, have like a transparency page, which I don't know if like, and when we're looking at that, we're really looking at brands acknowledging how much transparency they have, you know? So it's like, it's like, we know, it's like, this is where our garments are sewn. And, you know, mm -hmm. this is where the fabric comes from. And, and we don't know where the buttons come from or something like, honestly, you know what I mean? Like, like that's yeah, what we yeah. really mean. It's like being honest about the whole supply chain. And then with the other pieces, like, honestly, like having, having either a separate page or a section about, you know, about uh, ethical manufacturing and one about the environment, you know, and it's like, and with the environment being as tangible as you can, right? Like, like, do you have goals? What are those goals? Like, are you meeting them? Really trying to be or more part specific. of an organization, maybe there's, there's certain, certain ways 
Stripe Climate. I kind of I use Stripe Climate for everything. But there's there's kind of these simple ways to just start out to kind of do the environmental side of things. But yeah, I mean, there's there's just so there's so many different things out there that uh, you can do or you could do. But at the end of the day, I think I think that's why these platforms are needed, man. That's why EcoStylus is is there, and that's why other platforms out there that do good work as well, like it's needed. You know, it, it's stuff that we consumers need to to go to to make these purchases. Because, like we said before, it might be a little expensive. You know, so I think if you're if you want to spend this type of money, I think you want to know what you're getting. Right. And I think it's, it's important. It's a very important factor. Yeah, definitely. No, for sure. Yeah. You want like good quality clothes and you also, yeah, you want to, you want to spend money on supporting brands and causes you believe in. So, but I think getting tangible is really important because I think consumers are wanting that more, you know what I mean? Like consumers are becoming savvier. And so they're, they're not really going to accept anymore. Um, something that's too vague because it starts to look like greenwashing, even if it's not, you know, so it's like, yeah, it's like, if it's just a page, that's like, we, you know, we manufacture more sustainably, right? People just want more than that. They want, you know, like if you're members of, if you have like members of organizations, like the ones you mentioned, like 1% for the planet, et cetera, like just saying what those tangible things are instead of um, that builds trust with consumers. Like they're going to see that and they're going to say, okay, yeah, I see you're doing real things and and I like that. So, so I'll end on a little bit about what's in, what's in your closet. What's your favorite sort of product right now that you like that's sort of your go-to a lot lately? As as winter approaches, what are you uh, what are you rocking? What are you wearing these days? Well, I just I I just got this. Uh, I was just I was showing you in the beginning, but I just got this hat from Known Supply. Um, these are these are a limited release, so we're not we're not selling these, but they <laughs> they they have they are sweet. Thousand... They are sweet. Yeah, but you can get them. Like you, the Known Supply sells them as blanks, and they also sell them for organizations. So like any mm. you know company, organization, brand can can order them in bulk and and get them embroidered and sell them. And they're but just to be honest, that's one piece that I've really been loving because I just like I just uh, been wearing them all the time, and it's just it like, really... sweet. It's very nice. And known supply is great, man. So like kudos to them. Yeah, such a yeah, such a great brand. I've been a, a huge fan of a long for a long time. And uh, obviously they're one of our certified brands. And yeah, it's just a really high quality hat. So I'm I'm pretty like I've been wearing this a lot. And then yeah, honestly, like I actually love colder weather. You know, I have tons of um like tons of jackets and things that I really like. Like I have a I have um one of these wool ambassador blazers from Outer Known that uh-huh. I really I really like it's like a layering piece. It's really fun because like it's a it's a more casual style blazer, right? So it's like you could like sure you could wear it with a with a button down and like you know and look right. nicer when you need to, but you could also wear it with like a t shirt or like over throw it over a sweater. And so I just find it mm. to be like this really cool piece that like blends it's versatile. Know, exactly. Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. I would say that one. And then I also have this one that's kind of similar from Taylor Stitch. It's a jacket. It's like, it's made mm-hmm. with like reclaimed fibers and it's, um, it like sort of con- like the collar converts. So it can look like a blazer or it can look like a, oh. what's the word that it can look like kind of like a chore jacket. And so it's, um, yeah. So I'm really like, those are, those are kind of, they I have really, some really nice stuff as well. Yeah. Taylor Stitch has some good stuff. Yeah. So those are two, those are two like layering pieces that I really like. Well, amazing, man. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it's been great catching up. Um, uh, love to always hear your insights of, of what you're seeing and, and what's going on because you got your ear to to the industry, man. And it's uh, it's always great to to hear your side of things. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time and can't wait to catch up again. Maybe we'll do this after the holidays to to see how to see how it went for you. <laughs> see if you're you're past the uh, stress. Maybe take a vacation or something like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but best of luck, my man, for for the rest of this year. Get through the holidays and we'll talk soon. Thanks for having me on the show. Show is a pleasure chatting with you, and um, yeah, hope you have a good holidays too. 